Musanira, and Sunny Bonani. These are warm greetings from our South African native language, and I just wanted to greet you in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Um, as Gareth said, I'm from Brackenhurst Baptist Church in South Africa. We have been um, very much aware of your church and the goings-on of what God is doing faithfully in the life of New Life Church. We recently had our World Outreach Celebration as a church where we intentionally focus on what God is doing um, in the world uh, with regards to spreading the uh, the name of his uh, gospel uh, to the world, to the nations. And we had a video, John Zerby uh, introduced that video to us as a church. And it was just a joy to see how God is using this church and using the people of New Life Church to uh, spread the gospel to the nations in this local context. So just be assured of our prayers for you. Um, we do love you. We love uh, the, the members of this church. And please keep us in your prayers. As it was mentioned, we are coming up to a time of elections. And um, it is going to be a trying time. But uh, the, the heart of the kings is in his hand. And we trust in him for the outcome. And we know that he works everything according to his sovereign plan and will. And we trust in, this, uh, in the elections time for him as well. So those in the medical field may be familiar with the term Sutton's Law. The law states that when diagnosing, one should consider first the obvious. It suggests that one should first conduct those tests which would confirm or rule out the most likely diagnosis. It is taught in medical schools to suggest to medical students that they might best order tests in a sequence which is most likely to result in Quick diagnosis, hence treatment and minimising unnecessary costs. The law is named after the infamous bank robber Willie Sutton, who reputedly replied to a reporter's inquiry as to why he robbed banks. He simply said, because that's where the money is. New Life Church, when we are prayerfully seeking out God's will, which has been a common theme as I've had the privilege of sitting in some of the home group sessions with the members of this church, is how do we know or how do we understand what the will of God is for our lives? Well, I think we would all do well in applying Sutton's law to ourselves in turning to God's word, because to state the obvious, that is where the answers are. 2 Timothy 3.16 instructs us to this end where he says, All of Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. So the active work of seeking out God's will is knowing Him and His character intimately through His all-sufficient Word. No matter the trial we will face or we are currently facing, we have the assurance that God will make a way for us to not only persevere, but ultimately, in through our trial, we will be conformed to the image of God, to the image of His Son, and for His glory alone. One of the many practical ways we can do this is, 
as we build and encourage one another up in the faith. As we heard this morning from Hebrews 10, let me just remind us again, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As a church back home, we have been going through a series of one another's, of how we can take uh, the one another's from the Bible, uh, particularly in the New Testament, there are 52 one another's. And we've been doing an intense study on how we can use those one another's to one another each other within the church context. And that is the text that I would like to share with you this morning is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. Now when I use the word build, edifying or encourage, these are all uh, synonymous of each other. They all mean the same and if I say encourage, I mean to build up or to edify. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. Um, if I could ask you all please as we read the word of God, just to stand as we read God's word. First Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5:1-11 Now concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Well, let's pray and ask God to meet with us in a particular way this morning. Father, we do thank you that. Your word is truth. Thank you that we can now consider your word. I just pray that you would remove the man and Lord that indeed you would use me as a means to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters. Help me to be clear in the message of the gospel. And I pray Lord that you would just prepare the hearts and the soil of those that would receive the word. And that we all would indeed be encouraged and built up in the faith into love and good works. And we ask and pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in preparing for the sermon, I was um, both blessed and encouraged by this Thessalonian church. Just to give you a little bit of context... Um, very unlike the Corinthian church, 
that if we're honest and we do a study of the Corinthians, uh, they are not a model church of how we would want to do church. Um, Paul, throughout his ministry, had to give a continual defense of his apostleship to the church uh, against these so-called super apostles. And he continually had to rebuke the church on them falling back to their old ways of offering things to idols. Uh, you as a church will be familiar with idolatry as uh, you did, as Pastor Gareth gave a study of that uh, last week or the week before. But um, the Thessalonian church was very different to the Corinthian church. They were not a perfect church, but in st- stark contrast to the, to, the Thessalon- uh, to the Corinthian church, he encouraged them in the midst of their trials and persecutions to keep on keeping on in their faith, in their clear evidence of faith that they had and the hope they had of salvation in Christ Jesus. Thessalonica, if you will recall, is a result of Paul's ministry, along with Timothy and Silas. We read the account of this in Acts 17, where where it tells us Paul reasoned with them, the Greeks, in the synagogues for three Sabbaths, and many committed their lives to following Jesus, and the church was established. After a short time, many Christians suffered persecution for their faith at the hands of the Roman Empire, and Paul penned this letter to the church to exhort them and to encourage them that in the midst of their persecution that they were to continue in their faith. And the text tells us that they were doing this. So he wanted to exhort them to continue in the faith just as you were doing. We have the report of this in, uh, from Timothy when he visited the church in chapter 3, 6 to 8 where it tells us of the good news of their faith and love of their desire to fellowship with Paul again. In all afflictions and distress, they were comforted concerning them and their faith. Paul exhorts them to continue to stand fast in the Lord. So our text this morning shows us that the reason we are able to build one another up in faith, love and fellowship, as we, re- as we uh, saw the Thess- uh, Thess- uh, Thessalonian church, it is because of the hope of salvation we have in Christ Jesus. If you take nothing else away from this message this morning, it is my prayer that you would take this statement home, that we, the church, both local and universal, are able and enabled to build one another up because of the hope of salvation we have in Christ Jesus. We, the church of God, are able and enabled to build one another up because of the hope of salvation we have in Christ Jesus. So in order for us to grow in our understanding of how we practically build one another up, for those of you who are key note-takers, we will do this under three headings. Who should build up? Why we should build up? And how? we should build up. So let's go to our first point, who should build one another up. So the following story is the transcript of an actual conversation between the US naval ship and Canadian authorities of Newfoundland in October 1995. The radio conversation was uh, released by the Chief of Naval Operations October 10, 1995. 
U.S. ship, please divert your course 0.5 degrees to the south to avoid collision. CND reply, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. U.S. ship, this is the captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. CND reply, no, I say to you again, you divert your course. U.S. ship, this is the aircraft carrier USS Coral Sea. We are a large warship of the U.S. Navy. Divert your course now. CND reply, this is a lighthouse, your call. <laughs> so the above story, as I came to understand, uh, was actually a fabrication. But it does make for light humour and for some good sermon illustrations. What Paul makes it very clear is that there are two types of people in the world. Look with me at verses 7 and 8 of uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get, are drunk at night. But, and that's a, a word of contrast, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. So there are those who are in the night, and those who are in darkness, and those who are in the day, or in the light. Paul describes that those who are in darkness are those who get drunk, and those who are in the light must be sober or of their right mind. Darkness and light are common themes in the Bible. The Christian condition in the New Testament is often referred to as light. Uh, the following scripture verses reminds us, reminds us of these truths. The first of these you'll remember recently in your study of 1 John, from 1 John 1.7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. John 8.12 says, Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now we have the conflicting condition to light, which is darkness. And we see this in John 3.19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because of their evil works. Ephesians 5.8 You at one time were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So church, how does the world around us or the culture in which new life exists view this church? Are you walking as children of the light or are you walking in darkness? Do you get drunk on the delights of the world? And even my short time that we've been here... There are plenty of distractions that can take us away from the light and lead us towards the darkness. Or does the light of the Lord so shine through us to display His glory? New Life Church, dare I say that the only darkness that should be near us 
And please hear me and don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. The only darkness that should be near us and not in us is that of the shadow of the cross. The only darkness that, be need, that should be near us is that of the shadow of the cross. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 illustrates that precisely of how we as Christians uh, are to take up our cross daily. When Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever shall, uh, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So to answer the question, who should build one another up? It is those that are walking in the light. And by implication I mean believers. If you call yourself a Christian and have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you have been set apart and are a part of the body of Christ. Because you have been removed from the realm of darkness and placed into His marvelous light, there is now a special responsibility on us to build one another up in these very gospel truths. We are placed within the local church context to carry out those uh, gospel principles. To build up the church and in doing so we build one another up. If you are not a member of a local church, you need to become one. This is not a lone ranger exercise. We are called to commune, to not neglect the gathering of the saints. The Bible commands that followers of Jesus must be active participants in his mission with other believers. Being a church member demonstrates your commitment to Christ, His mission, and His people. So that is um, who should build one another. Uh, my second point for this morning is why we should build one another up. So if we are characterized like those in verse 8, and let me remind you, it says, But since we belong to the day, if we are indeed children of the light, let us be sober, be of our right mind, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Then verse 9 is for us. We can claim these promise that for God has not destined us for wrath, to walk with those who walk in darkness, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is our destiny. Not to, be, not to sound too mystical, but if we have been pulled from the world of darkness into the marvelous light, by the light of the world, if you are trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, then we as children of the light or believers, knowing what we have been saved from and what we have been saved to, are preconditioned. And that is how we are born. We are born sinful into this world. Our precondition of walking in darkness becomes our fulfillment of why we were made or created. And that is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. John MacArthur wrote this in his commentary of 1 Thessalonians 5, and I quote, 
One of the two possible destinies awaits every member of the human race. Those who stubbornly remain in spiritual darkness will ultimately be cast out into the outer darkness of hell. I'm not sure about you, but hell is a scary thing in its own right. I'd hate to be cast into the outer darkness of hell. But those who, are, uh, through, those who through faith in Jesus Christ come into the light of salvation will share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. They will live forever in the glorious presence where there will no longer be any night and they will not have need for the, lamp, for the light of the lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Revelations 22 verse 5. End quote. So church, how can we build one another up and encourage one another in the faith? Because we can do this because of the one who has laid a sure foundation. We have the assurance that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 11 gives us the blueprint for these foundations. Paul writes... According to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another or one another, the collective, builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. The gospel of Christ is the solid rock on which Paul built his ministry. We would do well to mimic the wise master builder. Ensure that as we build one another up. We lay on that which has already been laid. Which is Christ Jesus. So we've seen who should build one another up. And why we should build one another up. Finally let us now consider. Or who and now we'll consider how we should build one another up. The New Testament word for build or encourage is a beautiful picture in itself. The Greek word uh, in the Bible means to come alongside, to stand with. You encourage someone when you come alongside someone and help carry the load. You help them to keep on keeping on. You guide them in the way in which they were to go. We do this with our wives. We do this with our children. We do this with each other. As Christ has done already for us. I've been increasingly blessed to see how this church is practically living out these truths within this church context. And just an encouragement to you that if you are able to come to Family Bible Hour, uh, to come to prayer meeting, I was literally, my socks were... Uh, blessed off this morning by just some of the testimonies that were shared of how God is leading people uh, in a way that honors Him. And we have the assurance through Scripture that if you honor Him, He will honor you. And I just encourage you to join in on being fellow recipients. You know, I've, I've said it once and I've said it a thousand times over. Invariably, when we come to be a blessing at Family Bible Hour, we ourselves are more blessed. Um, I've had that experience personally with visiting those in the field. 
you know, with the intention of going and being a blessing to those. But I am the recipient of those blessings. So it's just an exhortation to you as a church. If you are at all able, take the time to come and gather with the saints and share in the trials and share in the struggles. But likewise, share in the rejoicing of how God is working amongst the people within New Life Church. And this is happening. I've, I've had the joy of just sharing with others how this has been very much home away from home for us. Uh, we were at a home group last night and I shared, if we weren't here, we would be doing the very same thing, not on Thursday night, but on Wednesday night back home. Uh, just gathering with the saints this morning is a reminder of the common bond that we share in Christ Jesus. That I will be going to church on Sunday morning and we will be doing exactly the same thing with the saints in South Africa. So just an encouragement and an exhortation for you to participate, join in, plug in to a local church, become members because it's only through membership that you are able to participate in the fruits of the ministry that the church has to offer. And there are many ministries. Pedro stood up here and gave some examples of how you can practically come alongside and serve the church. Um, let me just encourage you that in the midst of our trials, we have the, the assurance from Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, where it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the following story comes from ESPN, which calls, calls it one of the 100 greatest moments in sport history. I'd like to call it the perfect picture of encouragement in God's grace, which is his unmerited favor. It's the story of Derek Redmond and his dream to win an Olympic gold medal in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, I actually went and Googled uh, the story of it and watched the video. He narrowly missed uh, the games by literally a few hundredths of a second four years prior to Spain. But uh, through the following four years, he persevered, he trained, he was dedicated. Um, through the World Championship, his uh, British relay team won the gold medal. So there were very high hopes and expectations for him to take gold at the Olympics in Spain. So you have it in this picture where Derek is lining up on the start. Uh, the gun goes off and Derek, even by his own testimony afterwards, said he was very surprised at how far ahead on the first turn he was. Uh, bear in mind this was only the semi-finals so he wasn't pushing too hard but hard enough just to qualify to get through and with just 175 meters to go Derek heard a pop and his hamstring went and his dreams all but fell into tatters of winning gold at the Olympics he fell to the ground but in the stadium at that time was Derek's dad uh, Jim Redman and he, seeing the sight of his son on the floor, pushed down through the crowd onto the field, 
pushing even some of the security guys away, saying, that's my son, I need to go and help him. Um, after hobbling, getting up and hobbling a few steps, Derek's de- um, determination was to finish the race. He hadn't trained and put all this work in and he wanted to see it through to the end. And his father, Jim, came alongside him and he said, I'm here for you, my son. Let me help you towards the end. And with great anguish, he pulled himself to his feet and hobbled down the tracks. At this stage now, 65,000 people are standing on their feet, cheering. Uh, Derek along with his father alongside him and as they got to the finish line his father let him go and he let him complete the race Um, at the end of the video it says it's not always how you start the race but how you finish and that example goes down as one of ESPN's greatest moments in sporting history not because of how Derek won gold but how he finished the race. Hebrews talks about us being in a race. And the same can be asked of us, is how will we finish the race? How will we come alongside one another, as Jim did for his son? And as Christ, as we read in Matthew, how can we lean on Christ, who is able to take our burdens and help us uh, to finish this race? This is what it means to encourage one another, to come alongside one another, to build one another up. Jesus uses the very same word in the Gospel of John to describe the Holy Spirit. When Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Comforter, he's saying that the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside us and stands with us and helps us to move on. Jesus even went as far as saying, it is better that I go. That the Holy Spirit would come and the Comforter would come and help you. What a joy and what confidence we have in that, that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, Emmanuel, God with us. I wanted to share the, uh, just another practical example of what coming alongside one another looks like. Uh, while we were here, I received a newsletter from uh, one of the churches back home that we support. Um, my brother who labors in, the field, uh, labors in the field writes this letter. In my last communication, quote, uh, I informed you that Jenna and I lost a child due to miscarriage. Believe me, at that moment, we were standing in wonder at the wisdom of the Lord. Now I just want to pause there for a second and just highlight somebody and if you can... Just imagine the heartache, uh, the heartache and the despair that they were in in that particular time. I've never lost a child. I have four of my own. But this encourages me to no end that at that moment, and, they, and as I go on in reading the letter, you won't see that this was not a hard or a difficult trial for them. But in this moment... They chose to stand in wonder at the wisdom of the Lord. As Jenna learned that even now through her trial, that a close friend of hers had suffered seven miscarriages. She could comfort this lady with the comfort that she had been comforted by. So through her trial and her suffering, the Lord brought her to a place where she was able to comfort another lady 
who was undergoing a trial multiplied seven times by what she was currently undergoing. She, um, learning this really showed us that God is an all-wise God and has allowed us to go through this and be comforted by Him so we could be able to comfort or encourage others and point them to God. The loss of our baby has been the greatest and most painful trial that we have ever faced as a married couple. But this seems, this seems to turn out as our greatest time of God's comfort and care for us. Thank you so much for your prayers and your encouragements. End quote. So New Life Church, we are not always sure and we are not always understanding of why God allows trials in our lives. But it is a question all Christians wrestle with. I wrestle with this in my own walk and in my own faith. But we can take confidence that the Bible tells us in James 1-2 that count it all joy, my brothers, when, not if, but when you meet trials of various kinds, you will know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And that story that I shared of that pastor ministering, ministering in a very, very difficult part of South Africa, that in the midst of their trials, and when I say a difficult part of South Africa, this is not in the suburbs, this is in the, the informal settlements, the locations in South Africa, where the poorest of the poor live. And in the midst of ministering to these people, they were able to, as James encouraged us, not to wallow in the, mid, in the depths of depression of the trial that they were undergoing, but they were to count it all joy uh, that they could face this trial with a full assurance that not only would they be able to persevere through the trial, but they would be able to glorify God through it and in doing so, encourage others and build others up in their faith and doing this through truth and love. So this is how Paul, in the letter of Thess uh, to the Thessalonian church, uh, exhorted them to do the same. We see further down in chapter 5 to 12, which shows us how Paul exhorted the church at, Thessalonia, uh, the, at Thessalonica, that as they were doing uh, these, there were some practical ways in which the church is able to come alongside them. And I've summarized them briefly uh, as follows in verse 12. Recognize those who labor among and over us in the Lord. Do we take time uh, in our morning worship before or after to thank those that labor? Um, I'm sure these chairs didn't just get laid out by themselves. I'm sure the coffee set up didn't just miraculously appear. These are people that labor, um, that are seeking to serve God through these various ministries? Do we take the time to thank those that labor amongst us? And particularly, do we encourage those who labor in the Word? Do we send a message of encouragement saying that how God used uh, your pastor, your minister, in a very powerful way to speak to you in, into your life that is able to Conform and to change you into the image of His Son? Are we thankful for the efforts that go in into preparing and handling God's Word faithfully? 
Verse 13 says, be at peace amongst yourselves. Do we seek the bond of peace and the spirit of unity amongst the brethren? Are we quick to tear down through gossip or being busybodies rather than building up in truth and love? Verse 14, conform the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, comfort the faint-hearted and uphold the weak and be patient with all. It has been a joy to see this again practically being um, worked out in the life of New Life Church. How you as a church have ministered, and I hope they forgive me for using them uh, personally in this way, but Mauricio and Jenny in their time of need, that I'm coming here as a visitor and have been again just blessed how you as a church have sent uh, messages of encouragement, how you've rallied around them to uh, organize meals for them, how you visited them in hospital. I'm sure that through this time and this trial that they've gone through, that they've been hugely encouraged and that they've been built up in their faith and that equally you, I'm sure, have been encouraged the same as you have ministered to them in this very particular way. Verse 16 tells us to rejoice always. You know, are we so involved with one another that we are able to rejoice when others rejoice? Romans 5 tells us that we need to rejoice when those that rejoice. I rejoiced this morning at hearing the news of God's faithfulness to a brother and sister in Christ. Uh, But that takes being involved. That took being involved and being here this morning. In order to hear how God is working in their lives. Pray without ceasing. Esty Gordon who was a prolific author. And evangelical lay minister in the 19th and 20th century said. You could do more than pray after you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Be committed to prayer. And pray without ceasing. Do we take the opportunity to make use of this means of grace? There's a prayer ministry that happens at 8.30. I think uh, Sister Ruth leads that up. If you have a desire to be committed to prayer ministry, speak to the elders uh, about how you can be involved. And to take God at His word, which says pray without ceasing. Let us be a church that is found on our knees and that we indeed are praying without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for us. Again, to state the obvious, this is against Sutton's law. This is the will of God in Christ for us, that in everything we would give thanks. And then abstain from all evil in verse 22. Do not walk in darkness, but rather walk as children in the light. Uh, Walk with the wise and be holy as God is holy. So brothers and sisters, these are the very building blocks on which the Thessalonian church was able to build one another up in faith, love and hope. Let me encourage you to do the same, even this week, as we seek to build one another up and not only be hearers of the word, but uh, doers of the word also. Um, Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let that be a characteristic trait of us this week as we seek to live out God's will. 
So just in closing, let me conclude with a story about the Great Wall of China. Several centuries ago, uh, the Chinese wanted to secure its borders. So they did this by building a wall so wide that they could not, it could not be penetrated, so high that they could not go around it. And they built it wide enough for chariots to ride on top so that when there was a threat, even miles away, they were able to neutralize that uh, and access and get there quickly. Um, even with the height of the wall, they had a superior advantage uh, on fighting the enemy. But one thing they uh, did not realize, and within the first hundred years of the wall actually being built, the Chinese nation was attacked uh, and invaded three times. And they did this by the enemy bribing the gatekeepers, and they entered the, the, the nation of China undetected. When we diminish the importance of the unity of the body of Christ, we risk being invaded by the enemy. And believers, believe me, that the enemy is waiting. He's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. God has called us to a divine fellowship. That fellowship is one of the most powerful tools for us to witness to a dying world. If we do not protect it, strive for it, and do everything we can to promote it, we open the gate to the enemy, and the enemy will attack our family and your church, causing ineffectiveness and destruction. So my appeal to you is this. If you are not a Christian, if you are walking in darkness, if you have not been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, by the transforming power of the gospel. And this gospel is the good news of what a holy God did for sinful man through the salvation work of His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the life, the death. His life, death and burial and resurrection is not just good news, it is great news for us. Let me exhort you by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you do not know about this good news, I would like to, and you would like to hear more this morning, let me encourage you just to seek out the elders or the leadership of the church. I'm sure it would be a joy for them to share this hope with you this morning. And believer, let me encourage you to lay on that which has already been laid. Join the efforts to build up, uh, to build as we build one another up. We can only do this because of the hope of salvation we have in Christ Jesus. We are building one another, one another up so on that fateful day we will hear those sweet words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We have been built to build. Let us build one another up together just as we are doing. Let me leave you with this blessing and admonition from, that Paul gave to the church at Thessalonica. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. kiss. 
I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let us pray as we ask now for God to use this word and transform us into the image of His Son. Father, we do thank you now for this time that we've been able to consider your word. Lord, help us not to just fall onto deaf ears, but Lord, help us to take these truths. Lord, I'm very aware that first and foremost, I preach this good news to myself. And I ask that even through my inadequacies and my shortcomings, that the gospel would be proclaimed and that the power of the Holy Spirit would work in the lives of those that need to hear the good news. And I pray that this good news would encourage those that are found in the faith, that we would be able to be stirred up to love and good works, that in this context in which you've placed us, we would be useful for the further, for kingdom, the kingdom being established here on earth as it is in heaven. So I thank you for this church. I thank you for New Life Church here in Abu Dhabi. I just pray that you continue to be with the saints here. Please let them know of our love and our prayers for them. And I ask that you would continue to use them in a mighty way. And that again, even next year this time, as we celebrate what you are doing in the world of missions at our conference, we would be able to get a good report of how you are using this church as a light on a hill and that uh, your name is being proclaimed and exalted. And we can only ask and pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.